Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Welcome back to Bible time. God is so good to us. His word is so full of truth, and we're ready to study this out today. Colossians 2.8, I remember this was preached when I was a little boy over 20 years ago at a campground called Beth Eden, and it was um, by a brother named Pastor Jay, and he preached on this message, and he took these and he acted like they were people, and he named them, Beware Lest Any Man Spoil You Through Philosophy, he called Phil, P-H-I-L, Phil, and Vain Deceit was Vidi. After the tradition of men, he named tradition Trey, and the rudiments of this world were Rudy. So Phil, Vidi, Trey, and Rudy, beware, lest any man spoil you. And he would preach on that, and I remember that to this day, Phil, Vidi, Trey, and Rudy. Uh, we're going to preach on this message today from the Word of God. These four areas, there's actually three areas, philosophy and vain deceit are grouped together and then tradition of men, and then the rudiments of the world. Beware lest any man spoil you. Now again, this is in Colossians 2, and this I say lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. And this I say lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Now Paul had laid the foundations in, in foundation in Colossians 1 by preaching on Christ and exalting Christ and lifting up Christ. He gave us three reasons to be thankful there in Colossians chapter 1. We studied that before. Uh, that was before we started recording these sessions. And then the uh, following those three reasons to be thankful, the three reasons to give thanks unto the Father led into seven aspects of Christ and seven attributes and aspects of Christ and his ministry that was an overflow of this thankfulness. And it was exalting Christ and glorifying Christ and worshiping Christ and who is the image, it says in chapter 1, of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. We covered those verses and talked about those verses and studied them and what a blessing it was. Now he gets into chapter 2 and tells us that he hasn't seen these people in the flesh and his burden for them is that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ." Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. 
Now, these, these three things, these three groups here, philosophy and vain deceits, traditions, rudiments of the world, these three things that would spoil you are a little different from the beguiling words. These, are, these go down into more of the root causes of the beguiling words, of the enticing words. And so here we have three groups that represent the three areas of the soul of man. Philosophy and vain deceit are rooted in the mind. Any intellectual, any intellectually led doctrines, um, intellectual understanding of the word of God dives immediately into philosophy and vain deceits unless it is led by the spirit of God. And this is the whole point Paul's making. Beware lest any man spoil you. You've already received Christ. We talked about that and the benefits of receiving Christ. As you have received Christ Jesus your Lord, so walk ye in him, being led of the Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. But instead we have men here who are led by their mind. Now they act like they are led by the Spirit. They will say that they are led by the Spirit. They say that they're full of the Holy Spirit. They say that they're saved. A lot of times they'll say that they're born again. They'll say anything that they've got to say, but everything that they say, they'll take every verse in the Bible and they'll put little tags and they'll put papers up and post-it notes and they'll put it on Facebook and they'll put them on their feed. They'll put them on the social media. They might even put bumper stickers on their car. But the reality is when it comes down to it, they're being led not by the Spirit of God, but they're being led by their mind. And when they're led by their mind instead of the Spirit of God, the only possible result is that they will end up in philosophy and vain deceit rather than in the truth of the doctrine of God's Word. Now, does that mean that you need to sit there and be mindless in order to understand doctrine? Absolutely not. God wants you to use your mind. God gave you your mind, but your mind is like a tool. Imagine a man who has a power tool, a great big drill with a great big long drill bit on it, and he's got to drill through a, a big heavy piece of concrete wall, and he's got this giant concrete drill. The drill is the tool, and the man is supposed to be in charge. But let's say that man starts to drill through the concrete, and as he's drilling through that concrete, that drill decides that it's going to do what it wants to do, and it catches on some rebar in there, and that guy's holding down on that trigger, and next thing you know, that drill binds up and starts spinning in circles, and that guy starts spinning in circles with the drill. Who's really in charge now? The drill or the guy running the drill? The drill has now taken over, and the drill is now spinning that guy in circles, and instead of drilling through the wall, the drill is drilling the man in circles. And that's what happens whenever man lets his mind become exalted over the word of God and is not being led by the spirit of God, which we showed through scripture. The spirit of God is directly related to the word of God. Now they are separate, but they are one. And because the word is Christ and the Holy Spirit is one with Christ and the father. And you cannot separate the three, though they are individual. They are, each of them, 100% God. They are, but without each other, they're not. It's, it's something that's so hard to even understand. 1 John 5, 7 says, These three bear, bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So you cannot separate the Word of God from the Holy Spirit of God. 
And when a man starts to put his mind above the scripture and come at the scripture from an intellectual point of view where he is smart enough to understand the scripture and he's using philosophy and philosophical mindsets to comprehend the word of God, now all of a sudden the drill is running the man instead of the man running the drill. And it will do the same thing. Instead of going through the wall, instead of having an effective use of the tool, the tool is now doing nothing as far as producing useful work. And it's actually doing damage to the one that is supposed to be using the tool. And we can see this happening all over the nation. As secular humanism, the worship of human beings, the worship of mankind, has completely overrun the church. There was a book that came out not too many, well, several years ago. A man had a Bible study group, and they all started, um, we're just going to drop that one right now. The Lord doesn't want us to go that direction right now, so we're going to drop that. Philosophy is whenever our mind gets over the Word of God. When my mind is not subject to the Word of God, but I'm still reading it, I'm, I'm listening to preaching, I'm listening to pastors, I'm going maybe to a seminary, maybe I'm taking some online Bible courses, and I'm starting to comprehend some biblical truth, but instead of me being led by the Spirit with my mind in subjection to the Spirit of God, in my pride, probably without me even knowing it, I allow my mind to lift itself up above the Word of God, and next thing you know, I'm spoiled through philosophy. Now, this will happen. Men will spoil you through philosophy, and they'll spoil you through vain deceit. They'll come up, and they'll preach some kind of humdinger of a sermon, and they'll get you all wound up and all excited about it. You'll go, wow, that man really knows the Bible. But I've seen this a lot of times with these Hebrew-Greek guys. I listened to an evangelist online um, a couple years ago. I just found him randomly, and here he was preaching, and he went off on the Aorist tense and all this stuff and all this Greek grammar, and he went off on stuff that 99% of people don't know anything about, and you could hear the oohs and the ahs in the congregation, and next thing you know, everybody was wrapped around his mental finger. And everybody thought that he had some kind of superior education and superior mind. And he was sitting over them, sitting over the laity as a Nicolaitan is what the Bible describes that. Over ruling over the laity with this high mindedness, acting like he knows so much more than all y'all. He's so much better than all y'all. And you better listen up. And I listened to this man as he taught. And I'm not telling you I'm some kind of super genius because I'm not. But this man, as he taught, and I was reading the scripture that he was reading, and I was looking at my Bible, and he got done with all of his gobbledygook, and by the time he got done, he had turned that verse completely around and was saying that the verse said the opposite of what it said, and everybody in the congregation went with it. They were spoiled by philosophy and vain deceit. The two go together. When you get philosophized, Whatever you want to call that. I don't even know how to say it right. But whenever you get blasted with that stuff, you've got vain deceit coming right in behind it. That's what comes next. First the philosophy, then the vain deceit. These two travel together. Old Phil and Vidi, they travel together. They like each other an awful lot. Philosophy moves in and vain deceit comes right in behind. 
and there's nothing you can do about it. Once you have given your mind over to the philosophy, you have no defense against the vain deceit. He says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. And this is the tactic of all this Hebrew Greek crowd out here, the, all these Bible translators out here, all these people that, that, oh, I got out the Strong's and I went through the Strong's and I looked at this and I looked at that. I'm going to tell you something that might, might bust your bubble. I don't trust the Greek definitions or the Hebrew definitions in the Strong's Concordance. I don't trust them. Those are men's opinions of what a dead language that used to be spoken means. And I don't trust them. I trust the living word of God, and I've got it right in front of me, and it's the King James Bible. You say what you want to say. We're not going to get off on all that today, but that's what I believe in is the word of God. And I'm going with the word of God, and I'm not going with Strong's Concordance. I'm going with the word of God. These guys will get you run in circles with their stupid Greek. And then they'll come in with archaeological evidence. And they'll come, by the way, while we're at it, let's just stomp on another one that people really like in our day. It's called apologetics. All these guys running around apologizing for the Bible. And they want to bring up scientific and archaeological evidence that proves the word of God. And they get you all off on this tangent of intellectualism. And what they're doing is they're making your faith rest in words instead of the power of God. And this is all addressed by Paul to the Corinthian church. He said, whenever I came unto you, I purposed to know nothing save Christ and him crucified. Nothing. He says, these things that we, have, that we preach, verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 2, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, but that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. Now, Paul went on here. He says, for ye are yet carnal, and goes on through that. studied out in 1 Corinthians. The evidence was in their life, the strifes and everything else that was going on, their carnality in their church. And, oh, they thought they were such hot shots. Paul said, you're a bunch of babies. Now, this apologist stuff, apologetics that sweeps through and wows everybody. And, oh, my word, did you see the pictures of that archaeological dig? Did you hear that man's opinions? Did you see that model of creation? Did you go, did you, did you? What about this guy? What about that teacher? It fills the mind. It's, it, it, fills the, it quenches the thirst of the mind for knowledge. And all of a sudden what happens is you have a whole group of people whose faith is not resting on the power of God. It's resting on words which the natural man can receive. Listen to me. Anybody alive can appreciate an archaeological dig if they have any brains in them at all. 
Anybody alive can appreciate the work of some kind of archaeologist that dug up a rock with ancient writings on it, and they want to know if you have any kind of intellectual tendencies at all. You want to know what the rock says. Anybody likes that stuff. Anybody likes models of creation. Anybody likes to, can like and can enjoy um, cinematography of that's of the world being formed and all this kind of stuff that wows people. It gives you this, this intellectual rush, but I'm telling you, it's not going to hold you through the storm. It's not got any kind of root material, nothing for your roots to hold on to. Because if you get wowed by all that stuff, the next smart aleck that comes along that thinks that he knows how he can prove the Bible is going to disprove what the other guy said, and then you're going to have to try and decide which man you're going to follow. You're just going to be following a bunch of men. And guess what? You've gone in with Phil and Vidi. You're after philosophy and vain deceit, and your faith is resting in the wisdom of words which men speak. And the natural man is the man that now is being the Christian, that now is following God. Our churches are full of natural man Christians. Natural man Christians, unregenerated natural man Christians who have been wowed by apologetics. They've been wowed by philosophy. They've been wowed by the Hebrew and Greek scholars. They get this tingle in their mind whenever when these teachers get a going, and that's what they want to hear. Their life has not changed. They have no practical holiness. They have no ability to comprehend and no desire for the raw word of God. They don't even really like to read their Bible. They might read a little bit here and there, and then when they do, they just pick and choose which Bible they want it out of because they have no heart for the word of God it's a mind religion philosophy and vain deceit the next one here is after the tradition of men after the tradition of men Paul instructs us that there will be those who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof and he says of such turn away now after the traditions of men traditions are a powerful thing when Jesus Christ came to earth the Pharisees and the, the Pharisees had built the Sanhedrin to try and hold together the Jewish race and they had gathered and had councils and they had business meetings a dear pastor friend that I was visiting with yesterday was just telling me about one of those business meetings in the Bible you know how it ended they crucified Christ my word the business go look in the Bible for business meetings this is part of our whole council culture this whole thing where if we can all get together and have a quorum and get a majority vote, then we've just established right and wrong. The traditions of men. Well, the Pharisees got together and they made a bunch of rules. They made a bunch of traditions. And Jesus Christ came on the scene and he said, full well do you transgress the commandment of God by your traditions. Your traditions, you have transgressed the commandments of God. You got to watch out for church standards that aren't God's standards. You got to watch out for family standards that aren't God's standards. You got to watch out for these guys that want to put a bunch of rules and regulations on you that are not Bible. Now, some traditions can be a blessing in a family. It's a good thing to know where your family's from, it's a good thing to know what your roots are. I respect people who will say, you know what? 
my family for the last 200 years, we've, we've had this little thing that we do every year to remember where we come from. There's no problem with that until it becomes your religion. Until you start to mix that thing with your religion. Hundreds of years ago, the true church of Jesus Christ was being persecuted and chased all over the place. The true church of Christ in Europe was being wiped out and burned at the stake because they believed the word of God and they wouldn't let the Catholic church and all their fake Bibles rule them. And they had real Bibles and they loved them and they obeyed them. And they followed God and kept his commandments and they were being burned at the stake and chased all over. And there were several different groups of Christians that came out of that with powerful effect on the world. The Moravians, the Waldensians, the Mennonites have had a big effect on the world. And they were one of those groups that came out of that. The Catholic Church called all these guys Anabaptists. There's a lot of Amish families that trace their roots back to the Anabaptists. The Baptists got their name from the Anabaptists. Anabaptist means or non-baptizer or rebaptizing, something to that effect. The Baptists dropped the Anna and just went with Baptist because they said your Catholic baptism, you Pope, you guys do. It doesn't, it's not worth a hill of beans, and it's not, because it's not even in the Bible. And they said, so we're not rebaptizing, we're just getting biblically baptized. So they started calling themselves Baptists. They were not a denomination. It was just a group of people that were being hunted and killed and hated. The Presbyterians hated them. The Congregationalists hated all these guys. A lot of the, all of these major denominations hated them. The Anglicans hated them. Oh, guess who wrote Pilgrim's Progress? Old John Bunyan. Well, he sat in a jail cell for nine years because the Anglican church demanded that he get licensed to preach and the Anglican church was tied in with the church, of, which was called the Church of England, was tied in with the government so strong that the judges threw him in jail because he wouldn't get a license to go preach. And guess what he said? He said, I'm going to preach the Bible because God called me to preach the Bible, and no man can tell me to preach the Bible or not to preach the Bible. I'm just going to preach the Word of God. And men like John Bunyan who gave us Pilgrim's Progress, other men who believed in the Word of God came along down through the ages, and guess what happened? Well, as you go along down through those ages, the Anabaptists here had several groups that came out of them, and one of those groups followed a man whose teaching was Mino Sims. Mino Simmons, I'm sorry. And now I want, I want to tell you right up front, I have a lot of respect for a lot of these people that follow these groups, but if you read the writings of the Mennonites, they traced their church back 400 years to Mino Sims. Now, I'm t I want to tell you something. If your church goes back to a man, you miss something somewhere. Now, I know that's going to make some of you bow up, but if your church goes back to a man instead of going all the way back to Christ, you miss something somewhere. And what happened is a lot of the traditions that they passed down became more important to many of them than the word of God and their rules have now governed their groups. There are some good, godly, wonderful Mennonites out there. But by and large, it's boiled down to a bunch of rules that have spoiled the movement. Some of you don't think I should be mentioning the movement. Now, some of you guys right here in this building, you don't care. And I'm instructing you, and I don't care what anybody else thinks. We're just going to do this the way we're going to do it. The Mennonites, God bless them, 
with a desire to love God. Some of them are some wonderful people. And some of their work has been such a blessing to me, and I thank God for them. But one of the things that has happened is that the rules have come in. These rules have come in that are not in the Bible. And they have made these rules mandatory for close fellowship. And because of that, they have been excluded from other godly Christians and have excluded themselves. They exclude others and exclude themselves. Does that mean that these are not saved? No. Again, we're talking about spoiling. You can be spoiled by the traditions of men. You have to wear exactly this kind of thing in order to associate with me. Listen to me. That's hogwash. I'm sorry, but that's traditions of men that Paul says, beware. You're going to get spoiled. And you can. You can get spoiled where it kills your effectiveness. And then guess what happens? What always ends up happening. Anybody that keeps your traditions now gets to fellowship with you. And so now you're fellowshipping with a bunch of people that keep your traditions who have not the power of God in them. God says some people have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. As soon as you make your religion a bunch of rules that are not in the Bible, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and some of these other groups, as soon as your rules now define your walk with God, you will associate with people that keep your rules who do not walk with God. And now you have a church that's based on rules and has a form of godliness denying the power thereof. Forget the stupid rules and follow Christ. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What do you have when you have a bunch of traditions and you leave the faith of the fathers that gave you the traditions? You have a dead shell. Nothing but a dead shell. There's nothing wrong with riding a horse in a buggy. There's nothing wrong with saying, I'm not going to use a tractor. I'm going to plow behind horses. Knock yourself out. No problem. You're not hurting anybody to do that. Until you make that a condition of fellowship. Until you make that a condition of religiosity and you blend it so much that that is you're not going to go to church with people that use motors. Now we've got a problem. We just went off the deep end. You hear me? Beware lest any man spoil you. This spoiling that Paul is talking about is a poisoning of the roots that poisons the fruit. How do you kill a locust tree? We talked about that the other day. You poison its roots so all the thorns will fall off. Well, the devil, what he wants to do is poison the fruit tree so the fruit falls off. He doesn't want your fruit to remain. And he wants you to get away from God. And if he can't get you, he wants your kids to get away from God. So what has happened with many, many, many groups... Now, some of you might think I'm picking on some of these uh, some of these other groups, and I'm not. I love them. I've got respect for them. I thank God for them and what they're trying to do. But the problem is they've left the power of God. And when you leave behind the power of God for your traditions, you've got nothing. 
I love what they're trying to do, trying to hold on to their roots of their faith of their fathers, but it's not according to knowledge. It's zeal that's not according to knowledge. Come out of that. I'm not saying stop going to the Mennonite church, stop being, stop going to an Amish church. I'm saying drop the rules as part of your religion and start following Christ. Follow Christ. Follow Christ. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. Now we picked on them some. We're going to pick on some others. The tradition. Okay, let's, let's just do this. Tradition of men. Let's just pick on some other ones of the Baptist faith. Just a little bit here. The Baptists believed in God. They had not only the form of godliness, but they had the power of God on them. Carrying the gospel through this nation for hundreds of years. But then they begin to let their churches function and discipline and denominationalism come in and run them instead of being led by Christ and by his spirit. And over the course of time, they've also departed from the faith. Now on this, you've got two sides of it. You've got some, a lot, a lot of the Baptists have gone in for the philosophy and vain deceit. A lot of the Mennonites and Amish and all that have gone in for the traditions of men. All of these groups came from the true church. Now, let me tell I'm just going to tell you something right now. The Reformation church is not the true church. Calvin, all of these guys, praise God for them. Praise God for Martin Luther. I thank God for him. Those guys were Catholics. And they got saved out of the Catholic church. And they brought a lot of Catholic baggage with them. A lot of their doctrine reflects their Catholic roots. The true church was there before Calvin reformed. The true church was there before Martin Luther nailed his theses on the church door. The true church was there before Erasmus wrote the Textus Receptus. The true church has been there since Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the true church has been made up of little groups of people all over the world who hold the word of God as more, ne more important to them than their necessary food, who tremble at the word of God, who love Christ and keep his commandments and follow God in true holiness and true righteousness. And they have always been there, and the Catholic Church has never been there. You want to get off on something, this whole verse, beware lest any man spoil you. Through philosophy, Catholic Church. Old bunch of philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. That's all it is. And the rudiments of the world, the Catholic Church embodies these things. When the Catholic Church was at its zenith, there were still little groups of people pushed down, suppressed, trampled under, beaten, trodden on, burned at the stake, through the whole thing, who loved God and kept his commandments. The true church of Jesus Christ has never, never disappeared since Christ started it. It's always been there and it's still here today. 
But guess what? It's still the same today as it was then. It's little. It's in the background. It's pushed down. It's trodden under. It's ignored. It's passed over. It's laughed at. It's mocked. It's persecuted. Jesus Christ said, Yea, and all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Somebody took my parking spot at work. That just happened because they know I'm a Christian. I'm getting persecuted. That is not what the Bible is talking about. It's talking about persecution. Men separating you from their company. Men, guess what? Discriminating against you. I'm so sick of this discrimination stuff. It's a bunch of rot. A man ought to have a right to hang out with who he wants to hang out with. And nobody has the right to make anybody else hang out with people they don't want to hang out with. Or do things with people they don't want to do them with. What a mess. Anyway. So we looked a little bit at Phil and VD, philosophy and vain deceits. We looked at traditions, old tray. Now we're going to look just real quick at the rudiments. The rudiments are, rudiments are by definition, the basic drives, the basic thought processes, the basic, almost instinctual platforms from which we move and live and breathe. Rudiments of science are the basic starting laws like the laws of thermodynamics. Rudiments of English are the ABCs. You've got to learn the ABCs before you can learn to read. You've got to have the rudiments down. Now, the rudiments of this world... The rudiments of this world, I believe what this is saying here, and you can study it out, tell me if I'm wrong, and show me scripture about it. The rudiments of this world are the basic drives and desires of the flesh that push and drive this world, such as hunger. I get hungry, so I go out and do something to try and get food so I can eat it. That's a rudiment of this world. A rudiment of this world would be Weariness, okay? These things that are, and how I respond to them. There are instinctual drives that are within all of us, the rudiments of the world, and these things can become exalted by man as the highest form of humanity. And you think, what, what on earth is he saying? In America right now, we worship promiscuity. We worship the sex drive, the desire to procreate, but you take off the procreation and just keep all the other actions and you have perversion running rampant in the streets. If it feels good, do it. The rudiments of the world represent the emotions. Now, I didn't say this about tradition. That's the will. Your soul is made up of three primary parts. The mind, the will, and the emotions. The philosophies deal with your mind. Vain deceits deal with your mind. Traditions deal with, deal with your will, and that's evidenced by the fact that a man that has traditions and values them will hold to traditions in the face of all reasonable evidence against them. No matter how ludicrous it is, if he values his tradition, he'll hold on to it. The will has power sometimes greater than the mind. Now, the rudiments are the emotions, our feelings, how we feel. And our world is a feelings-driven world. I saw, I was reading on an electrician page, a guy had a little tagline on his profile, and it said, a human being with feelings. 
Gagamaga. He's Gagamaga. Duh. We've all got feelings. I'm a human being with feelings. We've all got feelings. But this guy, he's driven by his feelings, and he worships his feelings, and he's got to put his little thing up in front of everybody and tell everybody, I've got feelings. My word. Now, this world is driven by feelings. We've all got them, and they are powerful. Marriage wouldn't happen without feelings. There wouldn't be any children to speak of in the world without feelings. Feelings can be a very good thing. Once again, these are tools. Your will can be a good thing. Your mind is a good thing. Emotions are a good thing, but they are tools, and they must be brought under subjection to the Word of God and the will of God by the power of the Spirit of God in the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, or they will run amok. So these rudiments of the world, these feelings, if it feels good, do it, has given rise where people now worship their feelings. My feelings got hurt. So now the whole world has to bend over backwards and try and cater to me and try and make me happy because my feelings got hurt. What a bunch of rot. There's people that cannot function because they are driven and live by their feelings. All they've got is feelings. Now this is all the world has. Now this feeling stuff, it gets into our churches. Paul says, beware lest any man spoil you after the rudiments of the world. After the rudiments of the world, this the basic drives, the basic, the exaltation of the basic drives. Oh, I like good food, so I'm just going to eat, 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 and I've got no control over my drives. Oh, I like a pretty girl, so I'm just going to go find them anywhere I can and lust, 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 lust. Oh, I like a cute boy, so I'm just going to go find them wherever they're at and just lust, 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 lust. Oh, I like to feel good about myself, so I'm just going to pump myself up with whatever it takes to make me feel good. Feel good about yourself. Know yourself. All this kind of stuff. Rudiments of this world. Bringing the, the feeling-driven life into the church and into your home. Our whole entertainment system is nothing but the rudiments of this world. There's an entire city called Hollywood that has made billions of dollars on the rudiments of this world, on the emotions, on the feelings. And everybody, I don't care how cool you think you are, Mr. Hot Shot, with your big old muscles and your tiny little muscle shirt and your little cap stuck on your head down to your eyebrows so you can barely even see your eyeballs. Listen to me. You're running off your feelings, off your stinking rudiments, off your emotions. You're nothing but a pansy. They think they're, so, they're hot shots. Oh, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to go watch this cool movie where all these guys rip each other's guts out. You're just running off your feelings. You're just emotional. You just want to feel something, so you're going to do it. Oh, you think you're a hot shot because you can look at naked ladies. What a wicked man. You're just driven by emotions. You're just driven by feelings. You're a stinking wimp. You can't say no to your drives. You can't say no to your own body. You're like an animal. You just go along like a pig in a waller. And if something comes up in front of you that makes you feel good, you just start chewing on it. The rudiments of this world. Now, Phil and Vitti look down their noses at Trey and Rudy. Phil and Vitti are governed by their minds, and they consider that a superior way. Oh, they're away, way up here. 
Oh, and that Trey, that low Trey, he's bound. He's in bondage. Legalist. Legalist. In bondage to his, to his tradition. He needs loosed. His mom and his daddy, they sheltered him. He needs loosed. Old Trey, he can see Phil's pride. He can see the ludicrous conclusions VD comes to and just smacks his head when he does it. Uh -huh. What an idiot. That VD. And the worst part is he thinks he's smart. And old Trey, he feels pretty safe from the bad influence of Rudy because he's hiding behind the walls of his mommy and his daddy's rules. And he's pretty happy back there and pretty content and he feels safe. So he hides out there and he kind of just looks down his nose on everybody out there. He looks down his nose on the others because he's found a superior way. Old Rudy, he doesn't care about any of it. Listen to me. Rudy will sneak into the Baptist house, the Episcopalian house, the Catholic house, the Mennonite house, the Amish house. He'll slip into the non-denominational house. Old Rudy doesn't care. Because Rudy is going to go along with all of it. He'll go along with any of it as long as he can have a good time. That's all Rudy cares about. And you'll find him out behind the Amish barn. And you'll find him in the bar. And you'll find him in the strip club. And you'll find him on the Baptist preacher's computer. You'll find Rudy all over this stinking world because he doesn't care. He just wants to have a good time. That's Rudy. And this is all the world has and it's all the world knows. The talking heads on TV, the politicians, the businessmen, the, the actors, the actresses, all everybody in this world, that's all they've got. They've got to live by something. The Bible says here, look at Colossians verse 13, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, happy quickened. And we're focusing in right now on the deadness of us before the quickening. That's all you've got, dead man. This world makes all their shows and stories about zombies. And I'm going to tell you today, God looks down and in Ephesians he says you were dead in trespasses and sins. And he looks down on us and he sees dead men and dead women walking. When God told Adam in the Garden of Eden, In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. He wasn't joking. Oh, I know. Old Phil has gotten into your church and told you, Oh, Adam died spiritually that day. But God said, In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And Adam died. Adam died that day. Adam's soul, his mind, his will, and emotions that we consider to be the highest form of humanity. And we worship in our art. And we worship in our entertainment. And we worship in our education. That soul of man to God is just a framework. It's just a set of tools that the spirit of man was supposed to use in conjunction and accordance with the will and mind of God to fulfill the purpose of God in this world through the body of the flesh. And it's just a shell. It's all they've got. 
And Paul says, beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy. Look at this. He says, and not after Christ. Beware, lest any man spoil you through vain deceit, through tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. The key here is Christ. You've got everything but Christ. Got the philosophies, got the vain deceits, got the traditions, got the emotional, hoopty doopty, got all this will of the flesh, the rudiments of the world. You got it all. But did you miss Christ? He says here, for in him, verse 9, look at your text, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. My word. So much in here. All the fullness of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost in the flesh. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 10. And ye are complete in Him which is the head of all principality and power. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead. And you being quickened in your, and you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Do you see when Christ comes in, cuts off the body of the sin? Circumcision with Christ, buried with him in death, right out of Romans 6. Right out of Romans chapter 6. Go there real quick. Romans chapter 6, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Let me tell you something. If you can live in sin continually without total breakdown and God bringing you to the end of yourself and repentance, then you never were dead dead to sin. He says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer there? And know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together, that baptism, the seed is baptized in dirt, Planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. 
knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Oh, what a blessed, blessed passage of Scripture. If you are under grace, it means... That according to Titus, you are created after true holiness and true righteousness and that you deny ungodliness. Look it up in Titus 3. You say you're under grace as you live in sin. You are a liar and the worst kind. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now I have sinned as a Christian, but God has brought me low sin I have repented of my sins sins I wish I'd never done things I wish I'd never said seen thought heard you name it but I have repented and not just flippantly by God's grace I've repented with all my heart and turned to God and he has worked holiness in me in spite of that to no glory of my own, but to his glory. And that I can testify to. And if you knew my sins, you'd probably shut me off right now. I want you to know the Lord's grace has been greater than all my sin. And it is only through the grace of God that I can stand here today and preach this. Colossians 2. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Are you spoiled already? Through all the philosophies and vain deceits. Have you let your mind get over the word of God? Are you listening to a bunch of stinking wolves in sheep's clothing. Who give you a bunch of Greek and Hebrew trash. And twist the Bible up in knots. Give you archaeological evidence that they know more than God. And then go on and pervert the scriptures and twist the word of God. Repent. Get out of that trash. Philosophy and vain deceit. Are you into humanism and all of its garbage and guises? Are you into all of that <clears throat> new age garbage and all the stuff that goes with it? Get out of it. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. Do you think your dress makes you holy, your head covering? Do you think something that you wear, something that you put on gives you some kind of power with God or with angels? You have missed the word of God. You have gone over to the natural man and you've been spoiled through traditions. Who cares if you wear something on your head who cares what style of dress you wear as long as you cover your nakedness in a manner that honors God who cares what color your stinking clothes are God doesn't who cares how godly your music is oh you don't you don't use instruments you don't use this you don't use oh you're not going to do that or this or the other you got all these do's and don'ts get out of that garbage get out of those traditions just follow Jesus Christ just follow Jesus Christ Stop trying to live up to all these rules of men. Follow Christ. Or have you been spoiled by the rudiments of the world? Has the raw, wicked flesh of this world gotten a grip in your heart? It's overrun America. 
these drives and desires that are natural often until they've been so perverted they become unnatural, they're natural. And you have allowed these things to run rampant in your life. You've gone in for the world's entertainment. You've gone in for the world's dress. Oh, you just said not to worry about dress. Don't you misquote. The world dresses immodestly. That's all the world knows how to do. Show their nakedness. Expose their bodies. Get out of all that stuff. Have you followed after the world's traditions? The world's not, not just the traditions of men, but the world. The rudiments of the world. The world's way of thinking. The world's way of doing things. Get out of things and get after Christ. It says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised. You say, I'm complete in Christ. I'm complete in Christ. I hope you are. If you are, read verse 11, in whom also ye are circumcised, with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. If you are living in unrepentant sin, then you are not living complete in Him. Positionally, a person can be complete in Christ and begin to sin. God will deal with that person. He will not leave them there. If you can live in sin, in disobedience and defiance of God's Word, and continue in it, then the reality is you are not in Him. It says, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. The world functions on soul power or on substitute spirit power. All they have is the mind, the will, and the emotions and in order to get some kind of spiritual influence, they have to turn to the fallen angels, the devils, to Satan and his outcast angels. The Holy Spirit offers you through Christ the power to live a holy life. He offers you the resurrection of Christ in your spirit. God living in me. Christ living in me, hope of glory, a power that is so great that it will change you and give you power over sin and death and the devil. The direction you're driving exposes, the direction you're growing, going exposes who is driving. Beware lest any man spoils you. Beware lest any man spoil you. Instead of trying to Figure out all of the ways that you've been spoiled. Just follow Christ. Anything that draws your heart after it and not after Christ will spoil you. Just get in the Bible. Follow Jesus. It's, the Bible says what it means. It means what it says. When I say Bible, get a good old King James Bible if you're in English. Good old King James Bible. Don't go for that other junk that's all full of the philosophies and vain deceits, traditions of men and rudiments of the world. Follow Jesus.